You know, people remember the busted forecast, the snowstorm that went south, something like that. We're not perfect, but by George, the distance we've come. It's a fascinating era in meteorology. Forecast accuracy has never been better. Today, February 28th, 2024, marks Tom Skilling's final day on Chicago's Channel 9, wrapping up 45 years at the station and a career in broadcast meteorology that spans six decades over the radio, on television, and in print. From winter's worst. We had an ice storm in the mid-70s that at one point had 600,000 without electricity. So this accumulated ice brought down trees, broadcast towers. To the wonders of the cosmos. There's no other way to describe witnessing a total solar eclipse than almost religious experience. And along the way, how Tom's influence and reach expanded across the country and beyond. I remember one day I got this uh, phone call, you know, WGN is going to become what's called a superstation. I had no idea what a superstation was. We knew nothing about that in the rest of the industry. I'm Jim Hankey, and today it's part two of WBBM's sit-down with the city's favorite meteorologist, Tom Skilling. Let's get looped in, Chicago. As a reminder, the first half of WBBM morning anchor Cisco Cotto's interview with Tom can be found however you're listening to Looped in Chicago right now. We aired that section last week, where Tom covers his early interest in weather and how he originally got tapped to join Channel 9. But for now, here's part two of the conversation. As I watch you, uh, like like all uh, TV meteorologists now, you, you have all these latest graphics, and I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. Uh, in August of 78, when you're at WGN for the first time, obviously you don't have that. We were on at 10 o'clock at night, up against the network O&Os who had huge lead-ins in those days. Um, so we were competing with some pretty powerful competitors. Um, we then ventured into the 9 o'clock news arena, and the common wisdom in that era was 9 o'clock news won't work. People watch their news at 10 o'clock. But I think what happened is, in many families, uh, both the husband and wife went to work, and therefore people were going to bed earlier. And the idea of having an earlier newscast was something that had uh, great appeal. And our 9 o'clock show took off. And uh, it was amazing. Then we went on the satellite uh, as an independent station, and that was interesting. Where you're all around the country. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one day I got this uh, phone call. I just started. And John Coleman, when, when we were discussing whether I should uh, even make the attempt to uh, take the job at WGN, John said, you know, WGN is going to become what's called a superstation. We knew nothing about that in the rest of the industry, but John had studied all this. He was in the process of putting the Weather Channel together quietly, and we would talk about that over our dinners. Um, but um, it, 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 I had no idea what a superstation was. I was soon to learn. And I remember they put us on the satellite, and uh, I got this call one day. This guy calls up, and he goes, dude, dude, from, I'm from San Diego. He said, I, uh, I surf out here. And he said, your graphics. He said, your graphics are just amazing. He says, your noon show is on at 9 o'clock in the morning, so I watch your graphics so I know whether or not to, 
uh, you know, what the surf might be like. And I remember thinking, well, that's an interesting application because we weren't programming toward West Coast weather. But I'd show maps, uh, you know, uh, of, of the whole country. And you could infer if you, you knew what to look for in a weather map what was going on. And uh, so that was. Did that, you make a change there in the in, in the the show? You start going, "Hey, San Diego, you can get yeah. in the water today." <laughs> It'll be just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny, Cisco, because we we never programmed other than for Chicago. But I would get uh, letters from South Texas. They said, "Wow, it was fun watching a show that mentioned accumulating snow." They said, "We don't get that down here, you know." And we we wondered what. What that was like. So there were people who, uh, not only Chicago transplants around the country, but people um, who would watch us just to see what was going on and that was different from the weather in their areas. It yeah, the superstation changed everything. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about You're talking about uh, uh, weather events, accumulated snow. Uh, you're talking about tsunamis. Do you have one or two from your time? I don't know if you can narrow it down like that because you've had so many different weather events that really stick out in your mind. Yeah. Uh, blizzards, tornadoes. Oh. Uh, you know, there's been so many. I've got so many of them. As a kid, I remember Hurricane Donna when I was living out in uh, New Jersey. Uh, when I worked in Milwaukee, we had an ice storm in the mid-70s that at one point had 600,000 without electricity in Wisconsin. It rained four inches into a 27-degree atmosphere, and then 60-mile-an-hour winds hit. So this accumulated ice brought down trees, broadcast towers. You could step out on your porch that night with the wind roaring and watch the sky lighting up as transformers blew up. Um, uh, that was an amazing thing. Uh, I'd never seen anything like that um, in our area. The Jane Byrne Michael Bolandic blizzard. I mean, my first year here was 78, 79. That's the biggest snow year in our history. Our winters in Chicago collectively in the 1970s were the worst of any decade, uh, and we have records going back to the Chicago fire, 1871. So um, the uh, that was amazing. That year, we had our first blizzard on December 1st, and we had snowstorms every two weeks, and the Michael Bolandic Jane Byrne blizzard followed that, and of course he was out saying, he was the machine candidate, and he was out saying, oh, you know, look at this. The city is working the way it always does, and we all knew, no, it isn't. We, we can't even drive on the side streets, and they cut uh, train service to the south side and all the rest, alienating our African-American community, and, uh, you know, it was awful. Um, so uh, no mayor, by the way, has ever taken snow removal lightly since then. No way. That's I, number one. Absolutely. Right? Get those streets clear. And, and another thing that was done, uh, you know, we put salt in the streets. And each of those 70s blizzards was followed by uh, sub-zero cold. So what you got is this clear ice that developed. The, tra the heat of the traffic would melt the snow on the intersections, and then it would turn to a sheet of ice that salt wasn't addressing. So they added calcium chloride to the chemicals we put on the road so that we'd melt snow at a lower temperature. Um, and uh, I'm telling you, our streets and sand people do an amazing job uh, clearing the snow in difficult, difficult situations and keeping this city going. Um, 2011. Talk about that. 2011. Oh you gosh. got you got cars parked for oh yeah overnight. 12 to 14 yeah. uh, 14 hours. Uh, and Why didn't you tell us that was coming, Tom? We did. <laughs> oh, I know. I you know. know what was amazing was the success at predicting that storm. We had a the weather service had an unusual blizzard watch out two days before that thing came in. 
I got a picture of that iconic Chicago Tribune picture of Lakeshore Drive with the uh, cars uh, under six-foot drifts. There have been 70-mile-an-hour winds that had come in, and we had thunder and lightning with the snow. And the, the picture came from Louis Uccellini, who was then director of the Weather Service, and he just settled. There was a tagline under it. He said, what part of blizzard warning didn't people understand? You know, it was, it was amazing. We told you it was coming. It, absolutely. That got complicated, though, didn't it? Was there something with a CTA bus absolutely. or something on the drive? Traffic got stopped on the drive. And absolutely. that's why they got stopped. An yeah. articulated bus jackknifed, and there was no way to get off the drive. They've since addressed that. And, and, and I talked to a woman. I said, how'd you get stuck out there? She was one of the people rescued by the our amazing fire department and police department who sent people out to pull these people out of their cars uh, in the middle of a 70-mile-an-hour wind. Uh, And I said, how was it that you were on the drive? She said, well, you know, we knew the storm was coming. We had heard the warnings, so we left work early. But we didn't expect a CTA-articulated bus to jackknife and stop the traffic flow, and therefore people were stuck. And you don't, you're not inclined to leave your car in a snowdrift on Lakeshore Drive for fear somebody will steal it or whatever. Yeah, you're not just going to get up and walk away. Exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. stayed with it. And she said, I stayed with it. And uh, then it got so bad that we were literally uh, you know, trapped there. We, we didn't know where to go. Uh, you could go into condo buildings along the uh, drive, and I'm sure some people did. But, um, oh, that was something. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the, uh, as someone who has loved the weather since you were a kid, has been fascinated by it, talk about the emotion that goes along with some of these events. And, yeah. and I'm thinking specifically, I remember watching you, I think it was a live shot, huh. uh, 2017, you're in an eclipse. Oh, Downstate. Yeah. Downstate, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're there, you're covering it. And, and the emotion of the moment o- overwhelms you. you. You cry on the air and not in, uh, in, in some sort of a weak way or something. This was a what we're seeing is extraordinary here. All these people gathered to see this event. The, the weather for you is not just science. There, no. there, there's much more to it than that. Oh, I was, I was so embarrassed by that. I was on live television and a day was turning to night at 12 noon. The stars came out. It's almost, there's no other way to describe uh, witnessing a total solar eclipse than almost religious experience. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it even affects me now. I don't know. It, it was hard to describe that. I remember the New York Times had done a special section uh, written by a wonderful woman who talked about her reaction to the solar eclipse. She said she was surprised. She never expected this to be uh, the event it was and, and to affect her life so. Uh, I was out there, and this was all going on, and I was losing it. I thought, my God, I'm on live television. I've got to get myself together. But I didn't. <laughs> And it uh, turns out it, th- 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 we were in a little campground uh, 15 miles south of Carbondale. Thank God we went there because if we had been in the football stadium at SIU in Carbondale, there was a cloud that went over the sun as it was eclipsing, and you would have missed it. 15 miles south, we saw the whole thing. The campground was crammed. There were people, many of them from the Chicago area, had driven down to see it. And I found I wasn't the only one crying there. <laughs> It was something. You know, it was funny. We left the next morning to drive back to Chicago, 
I'd been so embarrassed by what I'd done. And uh, we walked into a McDonald's, and it was crammed because, uh, you know, you wondered where everybody was. Well, they came out of the woodwork the next day to go back up where they came yeah, from. they're all driving home. Yeah, and we had all the fast food places had these long lines waiting to get a, 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 a you know, sausage McMuffin or whatever it was. <laughs> and we walked into the McDonald's, and... Uh, uh, here they had five TV monitors, and one of them had the Today Show, and who's on there crying but me on the monitor? And I thought, oh, my God. You, it's early viral, Tom. <laughs> I know. You went viral before there oh was viral. Oh, my God. I thought, well, that's it. You know, it's kind of like when Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer used to do Tommy Skelling, and I thought, well, the career's all over. You know, it's, it's all over. And it turned out it was the best thing that ever happened because it introduced me to a whole demographic who never would have watched my show. But I, when I, when people would confront me with that crying in the eclipse, uh, I remember saying, apologizing for having been so unprofessional, and, and they would say, "No, no, that was we we cried with you. That's right. It was like human. It's human. That's and that's exactly where yeah. it's not just." I'm the broadcaster who's here delivering yeah. what's going on. It's hey, we're we're all human beings experiencing this oh, yeah. together, and it it really, uh, it it brings out what's really going on there oh, instead of just the play by play. I'll tell you something. It was so hot down there. We had equipment that was malfunctioning. We came down with a satellite truck, and I was morbidly obese. This was before my gastric bypass surgery. Uh, and I was so embarrassed at the way I looked, I brought a sport coat because I knew I'd be perspiring and I didn't want people to see me on live television uh, drenched in, in sweat. But then people would call and say, what's he got a sport coat on when the heat index is 115? And they were right. <laughs> but I was I was uh, embarrassed at the way I looked. And uh, so uh, it was... It, that was an interesting uh, experience. Well, talk uh, talk about that because the the weight loss was something you oh, were wow. transparent about. How, how much weight did you lose? If I may 125 ask, hundred and twenty five pounds. Hundred and twenty five pounds. I was a wreck. My father had, had been in the same boat. Uh, his legs swole at night. He had gone diabetic. Uh, cholesterol was off the charts. CPAP at night to sleep. I had all that, and I thought this is crazy. And my father had a stroke. Was comatose for a year. Uh, and lived, survived only two years beyond that. Never walked again, never ate. He was fed intravenously. And I realized I was headed in the same direction. And I worked with a trainer, and in doing that, I had damaged my a shoulder. And it was, I could have been on a treadmill for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and never lost the weight I lost through the gastric bypass operation, which I had done down at Northwestern. Dr. Hungness. I, I told Dr. Hungness, you've changed my life. How in heaven's name did you people in the medical profession ever figure out how to go in there? They stapled it. You know, there are different types of gastric bypass. I had what was called the RUNY procedure. And they stapled the top of your stomach and then divide your intestines. And so they cut down the process storage area and the processing area. And by God, it works. And I'm you know, I'm, I remember talking to my doctor at Northwestern. I said, am I a candidate for this? And she said, yeah. I said, well, what do you know about it? Kathy Cheng, Dr. Cheng. And she said, well, I had one woman who weighed 350 pounds 10 years ago and underwent the surgery. She'd gone diabetic and all. All of her blood chemistry went, came back to normal. Uh, she shed the CPAP machine. The same thing happened with me. I, I'd gone diabetic. I'm now, all my blood chemistry is normal. I'd always had high cholesterol, no longer. 
And um, so, boy, if anybody's considering it, take it seriously. You have to go through six months of nutritional training and they have a psychologist talk to you because your life is going to forever change. But it has been a life-altering experience. Now, you talking about that on TV, sharing your journey, part of it is you help a lot of people by doing that because there's a lot of people there's a stigma and so many people don't want to consider it but seeing you consider it they, yeah. they, they they're helped by that and there's also this issue of you're on tv so if you lose more than 100 pounds and you don't talk about it everyone's going to be wondering I know. what's going on with tom so you sort of have to talk about it but at the same time you end up helping a lot of people by being willing to talk well, you about know, it you know it was funny cisco i would get letters from people saying look we don't mean to be offensive but you're a heart attack ready to happen uh we we really are fearful for your your health and i you knew it was right you didn't like to hear that but i uh, you know i i knew uh that you know i that was terrible and you know it's funny i remember sitting in a Dominic's parking lot back when we had Dominic's. I was shopping one uh, Saturday before I gained all this weight. And they were talking on the radio about uh, gastric bypass surgery and all the ancillary benefits, uh, like people suddenly finding diabetes goes away and all if they have that type two diabetes. And I, I listened to that, never ever expecting that I'd be a, somebody who did that. And people did write me and say, look, we're contemplating this surgery. We're a little scared about it. And you come out of it, and you feel like you were hit by a train. Sure, uh, yeah, well, it's major restructuring. It is. Yeah, but you know they control that, and uh, the the staff there was wonderful. And it takes you a while to learn to eat again. The one thing I, I do find certain foods continue to hit me hard, but I don't care if that's the guardrail it takes to keep the weight off. And I'm four years beyond it, and uh, so far, so yeah, good. you look great and and feel yeah. great. And yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's marvelous. When we return, what Tom predicts for the future of meteorological technology, and during Tom's tenure at Channel 9, how social media spawned a legion of fellow weather warriors. Stay tuned. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Two more questions. You've been super generous with your time. Uh, I well, really, you've really been wonderful it. to come over. I Folks don't realize this, but you're giving up your weekend because I, I have that nutty weekday schedule. So thank you for coming on a Saturday, no less, <laughs> and giving up your weekends, Cisco. Well, it's No, it's my pleasure. Tell us about that schedule. Well, I start at 8 in the morning. Uh, I have four databases. I pull down, uh, you know, 30 different models and the most recent runs of all the models because I found that the best way to approach forecasting is to, these, these numerical models are amazing, but averaging across them gets you away from the most extreme and least likely to occur scenarios when you're looking at the weather that's going to evolve. And then I answer uh, uh, the, the, the social media questions. I call through all the pictures. People send these amazing pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, social media is, 
introduced a number of ills in our society, but they've also it's also done an amazing job. We in the weather profession, when uh, severe weather hits, often the first indication we get of how badly it's hit are the responses we get and reports by way of social media and the pictures. It's been stunning. Uh, and that's social media at its best. That's right. And so um, I spent a lot of time on social media. I also blog there and uh, put the things up. And I will go into work about 3.30, 4 o'clock. And uh, I've sent ahead a, a, a whole bunch of uh, graphic material. We have standard graphics we prepare. So Bill Snyder, who works with me, my producer, has started on the graphics and uh, well along on them. And I jump into the and continue working on it. And then we work through the evening. I mean, after uh, 7 o'clock, we're looking again at more pictures for a fresh set. I try to put pictures on that are relevant to the current weather situation. We're not, we're not just putting pictures up to put pictures up. And I just because they're I, beautiful, right? Yeah. I, I mean, some of them are. But, I mean, I, I get incredible examples of uh, things that are catching people's eyes. You can tell what's of interest because you start getting a flurry of pictures and people saying, what is going on here with this cloud formation or something? And it does catch people's attention. So it's, it, it, it's a really wonderful tool for educating and, uh, and as well as illuminating what's going on in our own minds, uh, kind of a, a ground truth type situation. So there's hours and hours of work running the models and interacting with people online yeah. and, and getting things prepared. This isn't rip and read sort no. of thing where you, you just sort of slide in there. And by the way, you don't take a model at face value. Um, the model gives you a good idea what's going on. What what models have forced us to do is think very objectively. I remember when they first came out, there were some who thought, oh, this is going to put people out of business and all the rest. Uh, far from it. Uh, first of all, it, the models take you to a new level of accuracy, and then the human can always jump in and improve on it. And if I had a dime for every time I heard, boy, do I wish I had a job where I could be wrong every day and keep my work, you know, my job. I told them, I, I tell folks, do you really think that's what goes on? If I were wrong every day, they'd usher me out the door so fast, I'd be, I'd be in the process saying what's going on as they were sending me packing. Um, we can't be wrong every day, nor are we. That's, it's kind of, you know, people remember the busted forecast, the snowstorm that went south on you or something like that. The fact is, uh, forecast accuracy has never been better. This is a complex system that we're dealing with, this whole atmospheric system. And uh, we're not perfect. But uh, by George, the distance we've come. I mean, I can identify a cold wave and a heat wave a week ahead of time. I can even uh, see a storm system. While I can't tell you exactly where it's heavy snow or it's tornadoes maybe going to develop, I know there's the risk of it. So I can flag that for my viewers and say, look, you know, at a distance of five days, uh, seven days. So it's a fascinating era in meteorology. And I Tell you where I think we're heading. You know, we have Doppler radar now that peers into thunderstorms and can see tornadic circulations developing. Oh, if we had only had that uh, when the Plainfield tornado hit in 1990. Yeah. Dramatically uh, different. if so. Dramatically yeah. different. Yeah. We get a, an average 11 to 14 minutes lead time on tornadoes. An average. Uh, there's still some that can surprise you, but uh, a, a Plainfield isn't likely to happen again uh, with the current system. And what's going to happen is we're going to model down to a single storm uh, uh, scale. 
and we'll be able to anticipate where the Doppler detection of a rotation is occurring before it even starts occurring. And so one day, we may put a tornado warning on uh, an hour ahead of time and say it's not there yet, but uh, this cell has the potential of doing that. And that's the goal, uh, to improve. Give people as much time as possible. Time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. In those situations, uh, you're, you're on TV, you're talking about a tornado, you're talking about an ice storm or a blizzard. Yeah. And the people who have been watching you for years, they're tuning into you. You know they're there. You know that they're looking for this information. And, and it could be life or death. Yeah. Talk about that aspect of the job. You're, you're not just out there telling people, hey, you may need an umbrella today. I mean, you may be the conduit in many situations for the information that might be life or death. They're, they're tuning into you for that. Yeah. It's got to be a little weight to that at times. Oh, it is. Uh, you don't, thank goodness, you don't have time to think about it. You're too busy analyzing what's going on. I'll tell you one thing, Cisco. I, I worry uh, about our severe weather coverage, and I mean the media in general. Um, uh, we've got to be careful the way we handle that. Uh, we have this discussion quite frequently where you're put at the top of the show because you got an inch of snow coming in January. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my retort to the producer is, why is this on the top of the show with all going on in the world? This is January in Chicago. This happens. But then you're told, well, the, you know, the rush hour, only an inch of snow will mess things up. I, I, I think we sometimes go overboard on all this. And, you know, it's gotten to the point now that stations are, you've got Stormwatch 5 and First Alert This. They're naming their whole meteorology department uh, after uh, their storm coverage. Yeah. And, you know, severe weather situations should be a promotional opportunity for the weather operation at a broadcast station. They, we're there to perform a public service, and that's to tell folks that a storm is coming in. And, I, you know, we've gotten to a state now where, you know, it's clear that people tune in for weather events because they're so all-encompassing and they affect so many people. But I think we must be prudent about the situations where we choose to lead a show with it or something like that. And I, um, I, as I say, I have this discussion with producers quite frequently because the public is, you know, we in the media are being criticized rather roundly for our coverage. Uh, are we biased? Are we ratings hungry? Or stuff like that. And um, th there's, some, there's some merit to that. I, I think we've got to be careful and we've got to be judicious in the situations that we choose to throw all of our resources toward covering. Having said that, you're right. I mean, there are those rare situations where people's lives are on the line. And if we can illuminate the risk that's at hand and flag a situation as being particularly dangerous, then we should do that. I, I often find it, when we talk a week ahead of time about a storm, they say, oh, there you go. You're hyping it. Uh, and, you know, and if it doesn't work out exactly as people have it worked out, they say, well, you've hyped it. No, we flagged a situation that we know, based on past experience, may produce some uh, ill effects. And we want to be clear. Uh, if you're planning to travel, you've got an outdoor job that depends on the weather, this is a period to keep your eye on. We're not telling you the end of the world's coming. We are saying that, um, you know, this is a period that may cause some transportation problems and, and other issues. And... Uh, and I think that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And like you say, a public service. Yeah. That, that's what we're here for. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when we first started talking, I, I said, uh, 
I'm talking to Tom freaking Skilling, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you, so you're you're the science guy. You have all this valuable data. You work so hard on this. That's that, by and, the way, is a, a product of my colleague Pat Thomas. Yes, I want that story. I yes. the, the bit was so great, and probably because. No one is expecting Tom Skilling to be this way. They expect you just to be the weather guy. They don't expect you to, I'm sorry to say, they're not looking for humor. You know, they're looking for uh, mid-latitude cyclones. Absolutely. You know, that's what they're looking for. Well, I'll tell you. You know, you do these bits. We we this morning show we have is a phenomenon over at WGN. I mean, I, the group there has worked so hard uh, and putting it together. And one day, Pat Tomasulu comes into the weather office and says, "Tom, um, would you work with me on a bit tomorrow?" And I said, "Sure, Pat. I, you know, I'm a team player. I, uh, I and I, I get such a kick out of the morning group and and the success of that show. Uh, they're a phenomenon." And uh, so he said, well, I'll come in tomorrow with a script. So he comes in the next day, and the script says, I can have you killed, and, uh, and I'm supposed to refer to myself as Tom freaking Skilling. I, I said, you want to say I can have you killed? And what about this Tom freaking Skilling? He said, well, yeah. He said, that's what I want you to do. And uh, so I thought, well, all right, we'll do it. It seems harmless enough. And, uh, well, that caught on. And I, you know, you never know whether any of these things are how they'll be, uh, uh, you know, uh, hit the audience. But I am forever now Tom freaking Skilling because that was, in a, you know, the wonderful thing about working about with Tom Pat Tomasulo is he gives you the best lines. I mean, yes, he, he's, really, he doesn't hog it. No, yeah, yeah. no, he he lets you. Oh, I'm not blam by my nature, the, the, the funniest guy in the world. Um, and uh, so, you know, I did that, and nobody is more surprised than me that this has lived on. The only thing I did on that, that contributed to that is I always wanted to do this. Uh, at the end, we, we closed that whole... T- it, Sam Zell had bought the station. Right, uh, right. And there were these signs they put up, you own the place, because apparently they used uh, our... Uh, you know, staff investment in our retirement funds or something. I don't understand all the finances <laughs> to buy it. Or, and, and at any rate, Tomasulo's piece was uh, was with regard to this notion that we own the place. So he, the the thrust of the thing was, all right, he owns the place. He's going to come in and tell Skilling, get out of here. You're no longer needed. And then I come back at him and say, and, you know, who the heck are you? I mean, you don't even own your car, you know, and you're telling me you're going to fire me. <laughs> and so, you know, it was it was just crazy. And so at the end, he said, think of some way to get out of it. So I always wanted to say, you know, when people call and say, uh, it, you know, it, I don't want it to rain. I've got an outdoor activity and all the rest. And you always feel guilty telling him it's going to rain. So I the end i said yeah i'm taking a phone call it's it's gonna rain what do you want me to do about it and i hung up i often thought you know a format that would work would be something called hate weather where you know you could get on the air and instead of this uh, oh we've got a beautiful sunny day you could be an angry weather forecaster and say you know it's gonna rain on you tomorrow and i'll tell you as far as i'm concerned i could rain on you the rest of your life and you know and you know it just and you know it's so out of character but you know, you think to yourself when you think of crazy ways, you you know, directions you could go, um, it would be so out of character. It would catch.
catch people's attention, you know. Well, you could do that now in retirement. Just uh, yeah. start your own YouTube channel, and that's it. You could that's be the it. angry weather guy. Uh, angry, yeah, the angry <laughs> weatherman. You know, hate weather. Uh, it's just, you I better mean, trademark that. <laughs> the sad thing is it'll probably happen somewhere. Right. You know, I mean, we that's have right. shock radio, shock jocks. We have, uh, you know, all this crazy division, political division in our country, and uh, it, it's something. Let's hope that hate weather doesn't become part of the, the scene. But it, you, you you muse about this just because it's so preposterous. It's you know? funny. It's funny. So, so what do you do now? I mean, you're not going to have to put in the long hours. Good question. What do you what do you what do you do? I mean, it's a total change in life. It's a work in progress. It really is. I you know, and I've I've been amazed at all the attention this has given gotten. My word, I never expected all this. And it, in a way, um, all you can do is plunge forward. I, you know, um, I'd like to continue working in some capacity with uh, WGN. That's been my broadcast home, and and my friends and my colleagues are there. Um, I just want to get off the day to day stuff. So, um, you know, the, the thoughts that have occurred. I'd love to continue speaking on climate change. I've been doing that with our. Uh, congressional reps uh, for years and groups like the League of Women Voters and all, I I think this is an issue to be discussed. And I I think there's a lot of misinformation about it out there. And people are scared of it because they see this as perhaps eliminating jobs and all, when in fact it may do just the opposite. But there are going to be dislocations brought about as we make our transition to, um, you know, renewables. So there are exciting things going on um, in this this arena. It doesn't not, sound like a rocking chair or or just a beach for Tom Skilling. No, no, there there are a lot of things. Well, thank you so much for being generous with your time. Thanks oh. for your career and uh, oh, I mean, just so many Chicagoans are grateful for you. Oh. That's why there's been all these celebrations because you, you've really meant a lot to a lot oh, of people. So you. thank you, Cisco. I I should thank everybody. I have been blessed with an amazing audience. Uh, what an honor. So thanks. Fun to talk to you, Cisco. Thanks so much. You do a dynamite job. I am so in awe of your work. That's great. (laughs) Fellow Aurora on top of it. I love it. I know. Yeah, those suburbs can produce a few things. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This episode was produced, written, and hosted by me, Jim Hankey, with recording by Cisco Cotto. Thanks as well to WGN and Nexstar Media Group for use of Tom Skilling broadcast audio. WBBM's news director is Craig Schwalb. And Myron Kaplan is our managing producer of national news podcasts. You can follow us on TikTok at WBBM News Radio 105.9, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at WBBM News Radio for visuals related to all of our episodes. Thank you for listening, and we'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then.